0: hello and thanks for checking out chemistry connections on the hopewell valley student podcasting network a proud partner of hvspn.com where students come together to publish content to share with the world the opinions represented within this episode are those of the content creators only please enjoy the show
1: Welcome to Chemistry Connections, my name is Erin Goldsmith,
0: and I'm Gianluca Procaccini,
1: and we are your hosts for Episode 9 of Chemistry Connections. Today, we will be discussing the chemistry of wine. In this episode, we will be covering the chemistry of red wine production. We will mainly be discussing the fermentation process that happens after the grapes are harvested but prior to the final bottling of the product. To better understand the processes behind wine, we are going to define various key terms.
0: To start. Ethanol is the form of alcohol that is mainly in wine, typically in a range anywhere between 7 to 15%. Tannic acid, also known as tannins, are a naturally occurring molecule which cause a dry feeling in your mouth and are bitter when ingested. Tannins can be extracted from skins, seeds, bark, plant stems. Tartaric acid is one of the components in wine that controls the overall acidity. Too much can cause a gross, sharp wine, while too little can cause a wine that is flat and bland. Sulfites are the component of wine that act as a preservative and an agent that halts the fermentation process, which can help protect the wine against potential oxidation or bacterial exposure, which could occur really at any stage of the winemaking process. And finally, malic acid is another acid that you can find in grapes, and it's primarily responsible for sour flavors. Its concentration decreases as a grape ripens as well. So just a little bit of interesting context about the whole thing here is that wine was first created in Georgia in six thousand B C E by accident. When grapes were stored, they ended up accidentally getting fermented by naturally occurring yeast. After this, yeast became domesticated and it spread really throughout the Caucasus and then moved into Europe after that. So just to move on to our next kind of few topics, Aaron, why are you interested in this topic? Why do you, why like what made you interested initially in Before the chemistry t- of wine?
1: Before I tell you. Can I tell a joke?
0: I mean, yeah, why not? I'm so excited to <laughs> hear your joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing already. Okay. Do librarians like white wine?
0: Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. Do they?
1: No, they like theirs well-read.
0: What a great joke.
1: Isn't that so funny?
0: <laughs> you have any others?
1: No, but I thought that was good because we're talking specifically about red wine today. Very true. So I guess you did actually want to know about Yes, yes okay. please.
0: Great joke, but I sure, am interested that, in it. No, it why was good. Interested. Thank
1: you. Yes. Thank so you. this is a little bit of a deep cut. As you might know, I'm a Star Trek fan. Yes. I like yes. it just as much as I like Star Wars. You can say what you want.
0: I'll say nothing. You know? Thank I, you. I, I'm not so much of a fan as you are, but I know. I can enjoy.
1: It's fine. So a couple years ago, the Star Trek Next Generation spin-off show. Star Trek Picard was released, and in the first season, Captain Jean-Luc Picard has Who? retired to the... Hmm? Who? The titular... Not titular character. He's the titular character of Star Trek Picard, but he was the captain in The Next me. Generation. He's basically what? He's
0: basically me. Sure. With the same name. No,
1: his name's Jean-Luc, not John Luca. Smaller. French versus Italian, just like wine. So, in the first season of the show, he has retired to the French countryside and now makes wine. And in later seasons, especially the third season, which has just come out, the quality of Picard's wine has become a running joke. And it's actually very funny,
0: and I appreciate the jokes very much. I'm assuming he doesn't have very good wine.
1: No, it sucks. Oh,
0: what a shame. Oh.
1: Well, so, say, Luca. <laughs> now that I've talked about my interests, what yes. made you interested in this?
0: Yeah, so... Oh, quite a while ago, maybe a couple months ago, I had found this gaming simulate like this wine, this one game, it's like a, a wine making simulator that taught you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it taught you and brought you through all the different stages of making wine, all the way up from planting the seeds to like finally bottling and sending out your wine to different places in the world. Wow. I thought it was pretty interesting. Like it took you through everything. You were placed in a small little town in Italy, in Italy. And there's kind of like a story you had to follow, Mm -hmm. and but the game was like pretty scientific. Like all the acids were present. Like each role, each acid had a role to play, and you could determine how much you want to put in, and like what processes were there that enabled you to put them, like put in a certain acid, right? Because right, you can't just like put in acid. It had to like be procured in some way through a whole process. Sure. And so I just thought that was really interesting, and so I figured like I wanted to know more about the science science background. So like the chemistry background behind,
1: right? The making of wine. What I'm hearing is that you came into this as an expert. Um, you knew everything. You knew it.
0: No, I wouldn't say that exactly. I mean, I, could I think you did. probably define the terms. See, that's. But you know, it was pretty interesting, and the game was fun to play. But by now, I've forgotten a lot of it. Oh. So maybe we should have played it for this project. It was really. Then. It was a really dense game, so there's a lot in there, and I really only scratched the surface. I wish the main story was longer, though. It was only like five hours. Oh, really? It's kind of short. It's kind of short. It was a shame, but... You know, Star
1: Trek Picard has over 30 hours of content can keep you entertained.
0: Just 30. Just 30. Maybe I'll have to watch it. You know? Mm -hmm.
1: Who knows? So, now that you all know why John Luca and I chose this topic... Let's talk a little bit about just wine in the world in general. So the wine industry spans multiple continents, cultures, and countries. It is a beverage that has historically brought people together and has played a vital role in community building across many centuries and places. Wine, along with other forms of alcohol, was used as a main source of water before water purification methods were perfected. It has historical significance that cannot be defined, but has provided lifeblood for many businesses, religious ceremonies, and has been used to facilitate social gatherings and unions. To talk a little bit more about the chemistry behind red wine production, we're going to go through each step, step by step, and talk about the chemistry behind each step. If I stay step one more time, I think I might lose it. (laughs) So let's get on with it. The first step of red wine production is crushing. So, as you might know, red wine grapes are harvested from grape vineyards, right? And after the grapes are harvested, you crush the grapes to release the juice, much like making grape juice. So the purpose of crushing... It's like special grape juice. It's like special grape juice. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. If you've ever seen those old videos of, like, artisanal winemaking you might see that there are people that crush the grapes with their feet. Yum. That is a traditional That's method of delicious. crushing. Yeah, it's actually fine. It's sanitary, especially because of the alcohol production yeah, that we'll yeah. talk a little bit about later. So the purpose of crushing these grapes are to release the juices. And during this, the berries are gently crushed to release that juice, break the skins. As John Luca mentioned before, the skins contain tannins, which contribute to the bitter taste of wine. An important thing to note here is that fruits are inherently acidic, especially if they're immature, which is a defense mechanism from being eaten by predators before the seeds are matured. Because if seeds are eaten and spread prior to maturation, then they actually won't germinate later on and you won't actually spread the plant. So as the fruit matures, the acid inside of the fruit juice actually becomes neutralized and the pH of the fruit juice increases, which is why fruit becomes sweeter and eventually less tart as it ripens.
0: That to me is just always so interesting. Like fruit, plants in general, are just so, so smart. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, they're super cool, but they're just so smart. Like, oh, like dove. obviously you're going to be tart so nobody eats you. It's really and fun. And when you're ready like... and ready to be spread around this planet, <laughs> germinated. It's
1: like the opposite the... of onions because, you know, they're like really... Yeah, the, yeah. Because they don't want to be eaten ever. And spread ever. ever. That's With why fruits. they make you cry. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I always thought that was really cool. More you Same know about plants. About like thorns. Right. Anyway, moving on. So primary fermentation is the next process right after crushing. Uh, fermentation is a metabolic process that produces chemical changes in organic substances through enzymes. And specifically the enzymes that are being used is yeast in wine. Yeast helps convert the sugar into grapes, into alcohol, and carbon dioxide during the fermentation process. And basically, that kind of just looks like the glucose that's in the in the grapes is being converted into ethanol and carbon dioxide. And that's where your alcohol is coming from. Yeast is also needed to catalyze the sugar and initially initiate this whole reaction. And then the yeast, since it is um, an enzyme, it lowers the activation energy of the breakdown of the sugar into the ethanol and the carbon dioxide. And yeast is already present on grapes. You now, yeast is a microscopic fungus, and it's naturally occurring. You, will, If you go out to a vineyard, you'll find yeast on on the fruits that are already there, most of the time on the grapes. Um, and that's how it happened on accident back in Georgia in 6000 BCE. I was going to say that.
1: Oh. Oh, no. no. I just burned your mind, stole didn't I? my thunder. Yeah, so if you buy a grape from a grocery store prior to washing it, and you notice that there's kind of a white powdery substance going on don't be alarmed that's just naturally occurring yeast please wash your fruit please wash your fruit actually this is a psa to always wash your fruit that is not the stuff that'll make you sick but sometimes pesticides will eat it so i mean it's fine but like yeah like john lucas said the reason the way wine was created or discovered really was People in Georgia used to bury their grapes to preserve them during the winter, and when they came back to said grapes, they were like, the juices were leached out, and because of the sugar and the naturally occurring yeast, and the closed environment in which that they were stored. stored the grapes. Bam, they had wine. Bam, they had wine, and human history hasn't been the same since. So thank you, Georgia. Hope you're doing well. Sure they are. And, or, I, I actually don't job. know about the state of Georgia right now.
0: Hopefully they're doing okay.
1: I think they're doing okay. You anyway. can't do bad in the caucuses,
0: no. Or you can. Uh, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, most of the time, not at a, like there's not enough yeast that occurs naturally, so the wine will be supplemented with either other naturally occurring yeast or uh, domesticated yeast. So more yeast is usually added to expedite the fermentation. We don't really want it taking a long time. That would be... Really bad for business and and slow. If you wanted wine, probably want it now rather than later. It does take a while still. This whole process can take quite a while, especially if you Mm -hmm. age your wine. Right. Some people want their wine now. And for every gram of sugar that is converted through fermentation, about half a gram of alcohol is actually produced. So to achieve a 12% alcohol concentration, the the contents of your wine before it turns into wine should contain about 24% sugar.
1: Which will be nice and sweet. And then hopefully... and
0: yeah, Not so sweet when you're done with it. With hopefully. the whole fermentation process.
1: Depends on what you want. You can have That's sweet. True. Some people like more dry, which is a wine-ish term for not so sweet. I never understood that. Do you know why? Mm, I
0: don't really know. Yeah.
1: So let's Actually, talk... about I do know. You do know? Can Sorry, you share, to please? interrupt you.
0: So I was watching the vi- these videos a while ago that kind of, on YouTube, that kind of explained it well. Um, if you've ever had like a cup of grape juice, um, you'll know that that is really, like when you take a like a sip of that grape juice, it's really dry in your mouth. Like you kind of pucker your lips a little bit and right. your mouth becomes dry. That's because there's a lot of tannins. That's what per like the amount of tannins that are, that's in the grape juice. That's why the grape juice is so dark color. And sure. because of that amount of tannins, that means there's like Less sugar, I'd say Welch's grape juice. It's still pretty. It's still sweet. pretty sweet. They pump that full of sugar, mm. but before it's all sugar, you're left with just those tannins in the juice and a very minimal amount of sugar. Got and it. that's like again because of the amount of tannins, that's why it's so like bitter and that sure. dry feeling you're gonna have. Despite in your mouth. being so sweet.
1: Correct. But wine has that plus the alcohol minus the added sugar. Exactly. Got it. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about the next step in wine production. This is, depending on the wine, not a necessary step. Some producers will do it. Some producers won't, depending on the wine, the type, etc., etc. But this step is called cold stabilization, which sounds a little scary. It's not that scary. Essentially, the purpose of this step is to reduce tartrate crystals, which are crystals of potassium bitartrate in wine, which can... Impart a bitter and not-so-pleasant bitter taste. As John Luca mentioned, wine is generally bitter, and that is a highly prized component of wine, but this is not wanted bitterness. So these crystals are formed by the union of tartaric acid and potassium and may appear to be a sediment in the wine if you pour some in a glass and you hold it up to the light so the way that this works is the concentration and quantity of different acid contributes to different tastes such as bitterness sourness um, acidity and mouthfeel and how the wine is perceived in the mouth this process the cold stabilization essentially filters out this sediment and in doing so reduces the acidity of the wine through the reaction of tartaric acid and potassium which neutralizes the acid in the wine and raises the ph of the wine but yeah, the cold stabilization name is a little more intense than the project yeah. process, yeah. actually. I is. agree. Yeah. It seems a little scary, but
0: mm-hmm. it's really not all that scary. And lastly, before the bottling process, you have the secondary slash malolactic fermentation. It's two different names for essentially what is the same process. It's the second round of fermentation that's described in the very first step, but the second round occurs very slowly. At this point, the alcoholic fermentation has finished, the process converts and has already converted some of the malic acid to lactic acid. That's the same acid you'll find in milk. Um, kind of crazy you find it in both, but you know you find it in many foods really. And as that acid is converted, the pH rises, and the malic acid is a stronger acid than the lactic acid by the end of this secondary fermentation process. So
1: taste-wise, lactic acid is perceived as less sour and tart and... More palatable, those- really, mm-hmm. yeah. right.
0: So you don't have this sharp wine that is gross and not nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's how the wine producers do it. Yeah. In Bordeaux, in California, the Great Lakes, anywhere really. If you're producing red wine.
0: Also, fun fact, not a red wine. But I also did watch another video. (laughs) Um, I watch a lot of videos on YouTube. You know, every state. Every state in the United States produces wine. Every Really? 50, all 50 states. Even Idaho? Even Idaho. I'm sure they do some sort of potato wine. Hawaii, I don't know they've if that's got their wine pineapple wine. Pineapple. It counts. It counts. I got it. There's apple wine out there, not a cider. It counts as wine. Interesting. Somehow every state. Hmm, yeah, isn't that interesting? The more you know. The more you know. Anyway, thank you all for joining us for listening to our podcast, this episode of Chemistry Connections. For more student-run podcasts and digital content, please make sure that you visit www.hvspn.com. www.hvspn.com. All right.
1: Thank you very much. I'm your host, Aaron Goldsmith,
0: and John Luca We'll see you next time.
1: Have a great day.
0: Bye bye.